Welcome to the latest edition of Eye of the Swarm, brought to us by our friends over at Superior Beverages, and uh, he's the Big Sal Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and it's been a while since we've been on the air with everybody, so we're we're glad to be back. We got a fun show here this week, and uh, you know, after a, a big long break, plenty to talk about, Matt. But I've I've kind of been living in the pro sports world here for the last few <laughs> days, just simply because like this. I don't know if you paid attention to it or not, but this uh, this Houston Astros thing I, is fascinating to me. It is. Um, yeah. I mean, when the news broke last night, I will say this. This is one of those things where you and I being media members, it was really advantageous for this to happen at this time for Houston, and I'll explain why here in just a moment. Here's what my thinking is, and this is why it got a little bit overshadowed nationally because yes. of Clemson and LSU playing. Correct. And so if you're a Houston Astros person, that's about the only thing you're hanging your hat on right now because – Boy, if this had been a slower time, this would have blown up all over the place. Right. And I mean, even when it initially came out and the investigation was starting, you're in the start of the bowl season, you're right, in yeah. NFL playoffs, and it is a time when it can kind of be not necessarily swept under the rug, but it can be hidden a little bit. Yeah. And this was advantageous as far as a timing situation for them in terms of when Major League Baseball announced their findings and their penalties for what the Astros engaged in. Um, for those of you who are not aware, uh, the Houston Astros were found guilty <laughs> pretty severely by Major League Baseball of stealing signs. And apparently the way they went AKA about it. A.K.A. cheating. Yeah, A.K.A. cheating. Um, and th- apparently the way they went about it is they used video equipment to do so. And then uh, this was the part that really got me kind of almost smiling kind of in an in a, in a ironic type of way. The way that they were able to do that was they would send the notification of what the scene or the uh, the signs they were stealing down to the players via a Morse code kind of situation where they were banging upon a trash can. Now, <laughs> that 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 alone makes this worth, I think, a, a bit of conversation. Um, apparently, and I, this is what I had heard, is that the White Sox were the first ones to tip off Major League Baseball about this. And it was a pitcher named Danny Farquhar who was picked up on it, apparently, while he was pitching to the Astros, who kicked up a fuss during the game. And apparently, uh, at least based on the reporting that I saw and I heard, Major League Baseball actually warned the Astros to knock this off as recently as 2017, right around the time they won the World Series. Correct. And then 2018, they warned them again to stop with this, and they just didn't do it. And they kept on with this particular... Strategy of cheating and trying to beat the opposition, and finally, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred had had enough, and he said, "This has to stop, and this is the way we're going to stop it." And everybody was, I think, a little bit taken aback by how severe the penalties were to the team. There's some level. I mean, of, there's a, a major fine. There's loss of yeah, draft picks. Your general manager and the manager, and manager were suspended f- for one year. They were both fired. And both fired after the suspension was levied. Yep. I mean, he, it's significant. It is. The thing that got a lot of people a little bit hotter under the collar, and I can understand this as well, is that this was a player-driven, apparently, uh, covert operation by, by the players. Uh, the reason why the general manager and the manager got fired is because they were aware they weren't necessarily supporting it, but they weren't doing anything about it either to try, right. try to stop it. Um, so they were almost the fall guys here. And if you look at that roster of guys, they're also saying that there's some other guys that are on other teams now that are in the line of fire here. Alex Cora, who's actually the manager of the Red Sox, who won two World Series in a row. He won in 17 and 18. He's in trouble because he was involved, heavily involved apparently, and the Red Sox are about to levy some sort of punishment against him as right. his Major League Baseball. Um, and Carlos Beltran's name was also dropped 
as a prominent member in this quote-unquote conspiracy or this this cheating scandal. Um, and I'm not sure where he is he now. He just took the managerial job for the Mets. Oh, yeah. Well, there He's you go. He's their manager now. Yeah. So, so th- this is has widespread. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of ramifications here. Um, and I'm not sure what it's going to be. They said the, the reason why they didn't suspend any of the players is because they don't want to get into a, a, a difficult situation with the union because the union was going to fight it no matter what. And Major League Baseball's players' union is the most powerful sports union in professional sports in the United States. And so uh, they didn't want to get into a long, drawn-out battle there. But, yeah, it looks bad. It, it, yeah, and it's it's you wonder what it's going to uncover with other teams. Right, yep. You wonder – yeah, you know how how do you make this severe enough? Because I'm not sure, and I've, you've read a lot of this stuff online. You know, if you read the comments right. and these articles and everything, I'm not sure there aren't a whole lot of GMs and managers out there who wouldn't sacrifice a year to win a ring. Well, and Tim Kirchin said this is an ongoing problem. This isn't just an Astros problem. This this apparently is this. There's a new wave apparently of front office people, general managers, um, amongst others in the front offices that honestly believe that they're finding a new loophole that allows them to do these things and don't consider it cheating. It's just a way to find a way to win. Right. Um, and now baseball has basically said, no, you are cheating. You need to stop. Um, but they said, yeah, there's a lot of general managers and their staff members that think that this is a way to kind of skirt the system a little bit, and they were almost to the point of being outwardly arrogant sure. about being able to do this and ha, 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 catch us if you can was kind of the attitude. Right. The Astros are the kind of the prime example of that. In fact, they went so far as to openly defy what Rob Manfred had said, stop it, because um, they didn't think anything was going to happen as a result of it. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interesting to see. I think there's a lot of, like I said, front office people around the league right now that, number one, would have done the same thing if they could get away with it, and number two are now worried about it because I think it's – I saw this being Tim Kirkjian again comparing this to the PED thing, mm-hmm. where if everybody's doing it, then nobody's doing it. Right? Is you know if if everybody is cheating, then nobody's cheating. Right? You know that kind of idea. Yep. But I don't think that that's going to fly very well here, and we'll see if anything else comes of this. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. You know the other interesting argument that I've seen on this is okay, these guys cheated and gotten they got caught, and these yep. guys lost their jobs. You know the suspension was for one year. Right, and then it circles back to Pete Rose, and yeah, he bet on his own team, right, and he was banned for life, right. Yeah, these these people flat out cheated and won a World Series and got a one year suspension, right. How do you, how do you reconcile the, all of that? I don't think you can see. I I'm I'm a when it comes to sports, I'm much more of a conservative kind of viewpoint. Um, I think Pete Rose got he's ever forever tainted. He's never going to have, even if they reinstated him, his dirty laundry's been aired. Mm-hmm. Um, and but same, is his laundry dirtier than this? Yeah, I mean. Because these guys aren't banned for life. After one year, they're yeah, allowed back in. Right, and same thing with the steroid guys. I yeah. mean, do you. So, I mean, is, that la- is his laundry dirtier than everybody else's? I think, I, I think it's a really interesting discussion. Well, baseball's had more problems with this than anybody. Right. They've had more problems with outward cheating. Than any other sport, at least that we know of, to this point, right? So, whether it's talking about betting on games, and they they brought the nineteen nineteen Black Sox, and then they they talked about Pete Rose, and they've talked about the PEDs, and now this has come up again. Baseball has a recurring problem with their teams and their players thinking that they're above the law and that the the rules do not apply to them in certain circumstances, if at all. And 
I don't know if it's if it's a cultural thing with baseball or not, but I think some of it you could make the argument is because of penalties or lack thereof like this, where AJ Hinch and Doug Luno now are out of a job. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for simply, I guess you could kind of classify them as enablers at right. a certain point. You know, yep. they didn't do they they weren't actively involved in it, but they didn't do anything to stop it either. Um, you know that they've now been tossed out. The players aren't getting anything, at right. least to this point. The players that were involved, and like you said, you have Pete Rose sitting on the sideline. There are certain guys who are not going to get into the Hall of Fame, you know, because of their involvement with PEDs. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, and we still have guys that even when they get busted for cheating nowadays are still trying to play it off as someone else is out to get me. Right. You know, the same situation with Ryan Braun that we saw with the Brewers, and I hate to bring up Ryan Braun because I know there are a lot of Brewer fans out there, but. You know, that's going to follow him around now, mm-hmm. the way that that played out. Right. You know, and it should. You know, Alex Rodriguez still is running. He, he There was a big article on him in Sports Illustrated. He said, I'll never be able to outrun the PED things that I did. Ever. Right. He's like, I'm just trying to be the best man I can now. And I have res- I respect that about him. But th- that's a black mark. Right. You know, those guys on that Astros team now are going to have to carry that black mark with them. Um, they AJ can Hinch. Cover, they can cover the black mark with the World Series ring, though. Yeah, and yeah. but th- there is also that perception though for people who are hardcore baseball people will always look at them and be like, you know, I mean, Major League Baseball is not going to put an asterisk there. They're not going to wipe that year clean. They're right. not going to say there was no champion. Yep. But at the same time, there is going to be that knowledge now, and there's going to be that footnote in the Wikipedia, you know, <laughs> entry. Right. Yeah. That's going to say they won, but this is it's probably they- already there. Yeah, exactly. It's already been put in there. I can guarantee you. But, you know, so I guess the, what they're looking for, I think Major League Baseball at a certain level, is looking for the perception to be enough, the perception of being a cheater of, and, and that having been tainted to be enough of a sentence. I don't know if it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I kind of feel the same way as you do. Some of these guys need to be slapped, yeah. and it is dropped out of the game. And, I, I mean, we haven't talked about it yet. This is the first time we've talked about it. Right. But I get the feeling you're kind of going, going the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you it, know, the ones that truly – we're involved in this, yeah. Got off scot free, yeah. And I don't think they care one way or another that any of this went down. You know, they don't care about the black mark. They don't care what that's going to be on their legacy or their team's legacy, because they ultimately accomplished what they were trying the, to do. The one thing that matters, and that's winning a World Series. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to have that ring, and they're going to look at it and yep. say, "Look what I did." Yep. And they're not going to care about how they got how they went around exactly went about doing it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So. You know, switching gears, different sport. Um, with the end of the NFL regular season, did you see Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions this year? Yeah. Um, that's a massive number. <laughs> that's a lot. So it's two a game. Yeah, I can't say I've ever seen another quarterback that's been number one allowed to throw that many and stay <laughs> in the game. Eli Manning had some really high interception numbers with the Giants. He was usually, though, even in the years where he threw a lot of them, he was almost one-to-one. Like, he was throwing right. a touchdown. Jameis Winston didn't do that. Right. He threw quite a few touchdowns, but he also threw a ton of interceptions. I mean, when he got to 30 interceptions on a 16-game schedule, I was kind of like, that. you might want to make a change of quarterback. Right. You know, I and I understand that the Buccaneers, he's their guy, and that they've invested heavily in him. But, I mean, how many weeks in a row do you have to say, okay, that's not the place to throw that ball? Right. Or, and I don't know how many of them were on deflections or, you know, weird happenstance like that. But if you're throwing 30 interceptions, you're making some bad reads. Mm-hmm. You know that's just <laughs> that's just the nature of it. But right. had you ever? I I've never seen anything like that before. You know, it's 
I, I, I went this way for a reason. Uh, okay. Because, you know, obviously UWS hasn't had football since 1992. Right. The WIAC record for interceptions in a season is 30. Okay. And it is held by a UWS quarterback. And that's <laughs> in a 10-game season. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's but this isn't pro football either, though. right? Yeah, you know. So I mean, I, I deliberately went that direction because the number thirty rang a bell. That's a lot of picks, and I went back and looked, and that record still stands. Yeah, you know? I think he threw that. He threw he threw like six or seven pick sixes too. I think this year or something. Like yeah, that. He, there was a. It's a big number. I yeah, mean, he threw a lot of pick sixes so this year. I just I, I threw it out there because I I wanted to circle back around to that record and the WIAC still standing. As, oh. uh, as, well, that's the kind of record that stands a long time. I I don't see any way it, it, it ever gets broken. I no. feel like it's if, if you have I mean if you're averaging you know in that case three picks per game in a ten game season, I would imagine at some point the your head coach is going to make a move. Yeah, and yeah. We're gonna we're gonna try something else because this right. obviously is not working. Well, the fact that Jameis Winston almost averaged two a game. Right. It, it's incredible. Yeah, I it's mean, incredible. In the NFL, that just doesn't happen. Mm-mm. You know, you're going to say if he's throwing 15 interceptions in eight games, you're going to say. We need to make a change. Right. Because he's not getting it done. Nope. He's throwing it to the wrong team a lot. <laughs> you know, and so And they're scoring a lot. Yeah, exactly. And so we need to make a change. Right. I was surprised that the Buccaneers let him continue on on that path and right. allowed him to get the chance to get the thirty interceptions. I mean, obviously he's gonna be embarrassed about it. They're gonna be embarrassed about it. Nobody wants to be that guy that threw thirty interceptions that one year. Sure. But yeah, I, I mean, I was shocked by that. It was I was shocked by how many catches though Michael Thomas had this year. Yeah, that too. I mean, mm-hmm. hundred what was one hundred and forty nine? I think something like that. Yeah, one forty seven or one forty nine. Yeah, he I broke mean, Marvin was, Harrison's record, which I thought would stay in a long time. Yeah, you know, I mean, it did. I mean, it, yeah, it was, it's not like it went away. Years it lasted. Yeah, but. exactly. But Michael Thomas, you know, he didn't have a ton of yards per catch. He was like a fifteen hundred or sixteen hundred yards or something. But that's a but lot when you're of catching grabs. 150 balls a year, yeah, that's, that's a lot of grabs. Yeah, I mean that's Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater combining just to pick him out and just throw right. it to him. You know, and the other and team knowing it's going there and still being unable to stop it. Yeah, and then he kind of disappeared against the Vikings, though. Yeah, well, seven catches. I mean, yeah, I mean that's a low it's number, a pedestrian for him. number for him, but you know, but he didn't do much in the second half. He no. only had three, I think, in the yeah. second half. So it's like you know, and and he's a big guy on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that, that all came out. Yeah, he was tweeting about the Vikings during the 49ers not game. Not sure I'd want to be throwing shade at the, the team that knocked you put, out of the gave you the ability to sit at home and tweet that day. Yeah, sit on the couch and you watch know, the game and then tweet but, it out. Yeah. But, I mean, there rate, were some numbers this year, though, that were weird. Yeah. Like, Lamar Jackson had some crazy numbers this year. Ridiculous. And then he didn't do anything. I mean, the playoffs, the playoffs were really rough for him. around and, you know, he, they were one and done. Yeah, the playoffs didn't go well for him. No, not at so, all. So, you know, it's like... It, it, it numbers are you know records are meant to be broken. We talk about that a lot. It's a big cliche in sports, but mm-hmm. you know it just goes to show you again that regular season it just it really doesn't matter. No, well, you once just, you get to the playoffs, you just got to get to the party, and then yeah. whatever happens happens. I guess. I mean, you had a guy that was averaging ten grabs a game. Yep, that ended up with seven. Right, which, like I said, is a low number for him, but it made no difference whatsoever. Right, and he was a non-factor as the game went along. Correct. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, I didn't know what you were expecting. I know you're, you're the biggest Vikings fan I know. So. <laughs> I mean, you watched the full game. I didn't get a chance to watch the full game. I was at the gym actually working out when they scored the winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what was your impression of it? They they had a really good game plan, and they they stuck to it, and it worked. And your your offensive line played well that day, which is saying something for the Vikings because the offensive line has been the struggle. Yeah, you know your defense played wonderfully that day, and it was your day. 
Yeah, they moved the two ends to the inside, and that confused yep, the breeze. It confused them, and you know, unfortunately for Minnesota, they ran into. You know, people are going, oh yeah, they you know they didn't show up. Well, they were a six seed playing at a one seed. Yeah. What happened was exactly what was supposed to happen. Well, and this 49ers team is. They're pretty much locked and loaded. Yeah, they're yeah. they're good, you know. So it's going to be interesting because obviously I am a Vikings fan. I am not a Green Bay Packer fan, and I've had plenty of, task. plenty of things week. thrown my way, you know, from from fans that were green and gold. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens this coming Sunday because I well the 49ers blew them out by thirty points in the regular season exactly, yeah. and I I'm not sure it's going to get that much better. That's what everybody, yeah. Everybody you know, is thinking that, you know. The, but at the same time, you also you hate to throw any doubt at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I think and the general feeling is that if the Packers are going to win, he's going to have to play. He's going to have to have the game of his life. Yeah. Because they're, they yeah. don't match up in other spots against the 49ers. Right. Although there's nobody, I don't think, left that really matches up with the 49ers very well. No. Um, with Baltimore getting. Yeah, Baltimore, getting, I think, was the beaten. low on hope. And, I think that was the one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with, with Baltimore going out, I think it's – I don't want to say it's the 49ers Super Bowl to lose, but they're the heavy favorite now. Yeah, I would think that the odds yeah. in, in Vegas have shifted considerably. But there's been some Clara. weird stuff happening. But I weird mean, things happen. That Texans-Chiefs game was one of the most bizarre set, setups I've ever seen. I it was mean, 24 to nothing. Yeah, in one quarter, and then it was 28 nothing in the second quarter, <laughs> and it ended up 51 to seven after 24. Right. I mean, it, was it was just it bizarre. Was a, yeah, it was really strange. You know, I, I, I feel bad for Houston because – I like anybody Sean anybody get the number on that bus? Yeah, it was weird. It was all or nothing. You yeah, know, you were in the beginning of the game. You were the bus. Yep, and then you became the bug. Yes, after that. Yes, for three quarters. You met windshield in a hurry. I mean that yeah. that thing. The wind really shifted. Yeah, I mean in, what a bizarre thing that was. Eighty-two yep. complained points. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, we see some go- goofy stuff this year. We have, we absolutely have. But yeah. we've also seen some great stuff here locally. But enough oh. of the uh, the pro sports talk. Yep. Let's uh, let's talk about some some things that are going on here in Superior. Uh, we got a first place basketball team. Couple of which them. we are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, we're we're accustomed to it on on one side because the women's team has been very successful right. over the last handful of years. Coach Balkowski has the guys playing some good hoops right now. Yeah, and I know Greg is uh, trying to kind of downplay it a little bit right now. He's saying you know we're playing good ball right now, but. He's they're playing the cautious, good ball right yeah, now. Yeah, they're playing good ball right now. Um, he's taking the cautious approach, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, they're just rolling right along, especially in, in conference play. Yeah, uh, you know, six and zero. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Um, well, I, I don't think anybody saw the Bethany game coming. In, yeah, in you know the middle of December, they kind of announced themselves in that game. I, they announced. Yeah, they kicked the door down. Yeah, you know when you score the first twenty four points against the team that you know was probably favored to win if the there conference. were if there were odds going into that game. Right. Oh yeah. Was probably heavily favored. Right. Yeah. And is the was the you know the consensus favorite to win the the conference. Right. To get run like that. Yeah. And I, I think that was where everybody went. Oh, okay. Sapir's got a basketball team now. Yep. Yep. And uh, talking about them, they're eight and six now overall. The Yellow Jackets, as you mentioned, six and zero in the UMAC, all alone in first place. Uh, Jackets had a good week. We're not going to uh, recap everything that happened since we were last on the air. That would take forever. Yeah. But we're going to go f- uh, forward with uh, what everybody has done since the first of the year, since it's a new year and everything like that. And the Jackets uh, got back onto the uh, the playing side of things for 2019-20. Last week, they defeated Crown 95-76 to on Wednesday in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota, before taking down Martin Luther 69-54 to on Saturday in New Ulm. That was a game, by the way, that was supposed to be played here. It got moved to New Ulm for a logistical issue that we had over at the Mertz, and we'll talk more about that in a second here. John, you have more information on that than I do. Um, but uh, Yellow Jackets, with those two wins, remaining undefeated in the league at uh, 6-0, and 
Against Crown, they won, like I said, by 19 at 95-76. The Jackets led 50-37 to at the break before outscoring the Storm 45-39 to in the second half. Most impressively, the Jackets, 56.7% shooting for the game um, while holding Crown to 44.1%. Four Yellow Jackets scoring in double figures, Mac Rechtal, 22 points. He was 8 out of 16 at five of his nine three-point attempts. Mason Ackley, the freshman, 20 points. He was also... 8 out of 14 from the floor and 4 for 6 from the stripe. Alan Anderson, 16 points, 8 for 12 with 8 rebounds. And Vid Malinkovic, double-double. First of two big double-doubles he had last week. 15 points, 11 rebounds. Hit 9 of his 11 free throws. Only took 5 shots officially, but made a living at the charity stripe. And then against Martin Luther in that 15-point win on Saturday, the L Jackets led just 33-30 to at the break before outscoring the Knights 36-24 after the break. Jackets made 42.4% of their shots. While the Knights made 33.3%. Vid Malinkovic, big, big game for Vid. 16 points, but that's not really where he did all his damage. 21 rebounds I for Vid. When I saw he had 21 rebounds, I go, oh my gosh. There, yeah. Nobody had an answer for him inside. No, no. We saw that against Northland. I saw that against Northland. And, you know, Vid's not the tallest guy in the world, but he's really well built. He's, he's big and strong in the upper body, and he knows how to position himself. Yep. And when you do that, you can grab 21 rebounds in a game, and that's what he did. Mason Ackley and Mech Rechtal also had 11 points in that game for the Yellow Jackets, and as a result, Vid Malinkovic was named UMEC Player of the Week for the second time this year, the first time back on December 9th, so congratulations to him. But, yeah, Vid putting together a heck of a senior year. Yeah, and, he's uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch. That team's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he's almost averaging a double-double now. He's at 17 and about 9.9 rebounds right now, and so we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure he'll be getting in double-double territory for the averages before the year is out. Women's basketball, as usual. Speaking of double-doubles. Yeah, double-doubles. <laughs> Another couple double-doubles <laughs> for a certain Yellow Jacket women's basketball player that we've talked to on this podcast. We'll talk more about her in a second. Yellow Jackets, 9-5 and five overall. 5-1 five and one in the UMAC, all alone in first place. They're half game ahead of Northwestern and Bethany Lutheran. They've won four straight. They defeated Crown 67-45 to on Wednesday before downing Martin Luther 78-48 to on Saturday. Against Crown, Yellow Jackets led... Or trailed actually twelve to ten after one before taking a thirty to twenty nine lead at half, and then extending the lead to forty five thirty seven after three, and then they outscored the storm by fourteen in the fourth quarter, twenty two to eight. Jackets made forty point eight percent of their shots for the game, while Crown made thirty seven point eight percent of their tries from the field. But the big number there, Yell Jackets forced thirty three turnovers in that ball game. Man, and they got a double double from Eva Reinertsen, twenty five points, ten rebounds. She was nine for nineteen from the field and six for seven from the stripe. Emily Carpenter finished in double figures as well with 10 points. But, yeah, 33 turnovers the Yellow Jackets forced against Crown in that ball game. Oh, and then against Martin the Luther. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, a bad case of the Butterfingers <laughs> oh, on that man. one. 78-48, the final, of course, against Martin Luther. Jackets led basically throughout that ball game. 23-15 after one, and it was 43-25 at the break, and 61-32 after three. Jackets made 40.6% of their shots, while the Knights made just 27.9%. Eva Reinerson again with another double-double. 21 points, 10 rebounds, 6 for 12 from the field, and 7 out of 9 from the stripe. And Manly Carpenter had 13 more points for the Jackets in that ball game. So both teams, both basketball teams continuing to win a combined 11-1 in the league. So uh, we'll continue on with that. Men's and women's track and field had another indoor meet. Speaking of guys that are tearing it up, holy cow. <laughs> I When I looked at his numbers, by the way... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Coach Drexler sent me a text right after he competed in the weight throw on Saturday, and I, I looked at that and went, oh, that basically locks him in for nationals already. Yeah. Two meets and he's in. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty I much I mean, it. that is a 
you know, we'll go ahead and get, yeah, I'll get give out the it. details here. Yeah. CJ Pellath is, by the way, the the individual we were speaking of. He finished fifth overall in the weight throw and leading the Yellow Jackets at the Minnesota Open hosted by the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis on Saturday. There were no team scores. It's just an open meet, so you right. just go and compete. And C.J. Pellath finished fifth in the weight throw with a distance of 18. First among Division three. Yeah, this is the second time he's broken that record, by the way. Yep. He set the mark 18.48 meters. That was the top distance in NCAA Division three this season. Second time he's broken that mark. He set it himself. And the opener at St. Scholastica earlier on, that was the one that was on the 7th I mean, You know, that's it's a 35-pound weight. Right, yeah. And you, he threw that thing about 60 feet. Yep. You know, a little over 60 feet if you're, you know, for the, yeah. the people who don't understand the metric system. So that, that's a – you're basically you're basically throwing that thing from home plate to a pitcher's mound. Pretty much, yeah. That's how it – yep. And – you try throwing 35 pounds that far. I can't throw it two feet. <laughs> try to get me to throw it two feet. I can't throw it. I mean, it, that's yeah. an absolute Monstrous heave. Start. Yeah, absolute heave. Uh, the Yellow Jackets had three other top ten finishes, by the way, on that uh, meet, on the men's side anyway. Michael Knack finished 10th in the 200-meter dash with a time of 23.82 seconds. He also finished 7th in the 400 meters with a time of 55.25, so a nice meet for him overall. Evan Nelson, meanwhile, finished 8th in the 400 meters with a time of 55.35. Meanwhile, on the women's side, Leanne Torgerson, she placed 8th in the 400 meters with a time of 102.90 and 10th in the 200 meters with a time of 27.59. So nice top uh, 10 finishes for her in a pair of events. Haley Olsen, meanwhile, finished 10th in the pole vault with a height of 2.3 meters jumped, while Kasha Hewlett, I'll get it out here, finished 10th in the weight throw with a distance of 10 meters flat. So she heaved hers 30 feet. But... Uh, as a result of his performance, again at the Minnesota Open, C.J. Pellath was named UMAC Men's Field Athlete of the Week. It's the second time this year that he's won it and the 10th time overall in his collegiate career. He won I'll it four just times. just rename the award after him. Yeah, won it four times in 2016-17 campaign and then four more times in 2018-19. So he's, uh, he's piling up those numbers. But, Boy. yeah, think about that toss. Holy cow. Yeah. 18.48 meters. He's got to be a lock for nationals already. Yeah. Which is crazy. He's top ranked in the, the country. Yep. And he doesn't look like he's going to be going anywhere. So. No. Nope. So, yeah. So, we'll keep an eye on him. He'll be winning more of those uh, Athlete of the Week no honors. No doubt about that. Yep. No doubt about that. Women's hockey also having a nice little start here. 8-2-1 and one overall. 2-1-0 and oh in the WIAC. They're in second place, by the way, in the conference. They split two games last week. A couple of tough road games for Coach Dan Laughlin and company. Defeated number seven, Gustavus Adolphus, who were number four when they played the Yellow Jackets. Talk more about that in a second. Two to one on Friday, January tenth in St. Peter, before falling to Augsburg four to one the following night in Minneapolis, and that's a tough back to back. It is. You know, it is. Those are two good teams, and yeah, that's getting a, a split isn't bad there. No. Against Gustavus, the Yellow Jackets scored both of their goals in the second period. In fact, all three goals in the game were scored in that second period. Kaylee Martinson scoring the Yellow Jackets' first goal at six thirty-eight off an assist from Amanda Sargent that tied the game at one apiece, and then Sargent scored the game winner. At 14:42 on the power play of the second period from Jenna Bufflin and Molly Shelton to make the final two to one. Catherine Johnson, 32 saves for her in the 15 net. in the third period. Yeah, the Yellow Jackets got a shot 15 to one in the third period. Yeah, of that, that game. So that, that she 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 won that game. Yeah, she uh, she earned her stripes on that one. Mm-hmm. Helped the Jackets to pick that one up, and then the following night against Augsburg, four to one loss. The Yellow Jackets scored their lone goal in the second period. Megan Dulong. An assist from Jenna Curtis scoring the Yellow Jackets' lone goal, 13-20 of the second period on the power play. 
and that was the week that was for them. And men's hockey, meanwhile, got some things to talk about with men's hockey, John. A couple things happened. A couple things happened. Jack is now 12-2-1 overall, 5-2-0 in the WIAC. They're all alone in first place, by the way. Jackets have won three straight, and for the first time in eight years, the Jackets are ranked in the top 15 in the country. Yep. Jackets are ranked number 11 in the latest USCHO.com Division Three top 15 poll. It's a good debut. Yeah. You know, because I, I honestly figured this is the week they were going to get in yep. and that it would be 13, 14, somewhere in there. But yep. for them to pop in at 11. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. First time they've been ranked, as I mentioned, since January 2nd of 2012, so yep. it's been a long time. It has been. I didn't realize it had been that long, yes. but now... Jeez. Okay. So, thankfully, that streak is over. Yes. Jackets swept a pair of non-conference games this past week, and they defeated St. John 6-2 at Westman Arena on Friday before turning around and also handing Concordia Moorhead a 5-1 defeat on Saturday. Both those games at Westman Arena. Jackets on the Friday game against the Johnnies 6-2. Six different Yellow Jackets scored in that ball game. Ball game. Hockey game. UWS scoring four of their six goals in the opening period. Kind of turned the game into a little bit of a runaway at a certain point, John. But uh, St. John's made a little bit of a run in the second period. Scored two to make it 4-2, and then the Jackets closed it out with two more in that period. Nobody scored in the third as things kind of bogged down into a whistle fest. But uh, impressive performance by the Jackets, to say the least. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, they you'll you'll talk about it here with the, the Saturday game as well. I mean, it's, it's remarkable how well this team starts games for the yeah. most part. Yeah. They, 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 they score early. They 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 strike in quick Quickly. succession. Yep. You know, I mean, they had, they had, in the St. John's game, they had three goals in less than three minutes. Yep. It had been a scoreless game, then three really quick goals, and suddenly it, it becomes a laugher. Two minutes and fifty four seconds to be exact. Yeah, and yeah. then they add another one before the periods. Then you're up four nothing after the first period. I mean, that that's a heck of a hole for any team to have to climb out. It really is. Jordan Martin opened up the scoring from Lawson McDonald and Andrew Durham at eight thirty four of the opening period. Then a minute. And 23 seconds later, it was Liam Blaze from Troy York and Colton Bates. Made it 2-0. Connor McLean scoring his first career goal as a yellow jacket. The start of a very nice weekend for McLean, by the way. Dylan Johnson, Chad Lopez, the helpers, 11-28. That made it 3-0 in that 2 minutes and 54 seconds that we just talked about. Troy York then for the yellow jackets from Arthur Churchiev and Pavel McCazanok at 14:48 of the second period on the power play. And then Will Blake from Bruno Berzaitis and McCazanok at 16:23 the second period. Close out the scoring. Oscar Spencer got the win in the pipes, 24 stops for him. But six different goal scores, really impressive by the Yellow Jackets. And then the following night against Concordia Moorhead, the Jackets scored twice in the first and second periods before adding one in the third. Pavel McAzenok again getting the Yellow Jackets off to a quick start, 3.55 in the opening period. He makes it 1-0 on an assist from Bruno Berzaitis and Will Blake. Connor McLean then scoring his second goal of the weekend unassisted at 6.37. Connor McLean adding a third goal on the weekend, a second of that game. From Chad Lopez and Dylan Johnson at 126 of that middle frame. Arthur Turchiev then at 314 of the second period. Again, at two goals in quick succession. Beginning of the second period, this one from York and Lopez. And then Pavel McCazanok scoring an empty netter to close it out off assist from Alec McKenzie and McLean in 1940 to make the final 5-1. Miles Hector got the start in goal. 27 stops for him in that contest. And yeah, the Jack men's hockey team, I'll be honest with you, John, just rolling right along. They are. Yeah, yeah they I are. Mean, that's... That's the best way I can put it. I mean, sometimes you can break it down, but they're just in a really good groove. Yeah, they're in a good groove. Things are going well. They're playing well. They're they're piling up shots. They're getting a lot of opportunities. Yeah, they, they shoot the puck, and boy, and, and they get through. You know, yep. the shots get through. I mean, they don't get shots blocked all that often, they, and they, they attempt a lot of shots. They're getting through, and as a result, they're getting a lot of goals out of it. Well, so. and they play a, a quick tempo, which mm-hmm. I like. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the past, sometimes the team has played a little bit more uh, of a slow it down kind of game. This team likes to get up and get up and down the rink. Yep. You know, on the outlet passes and and take advantage of uh, Bob Man rushes, uh, even on the penalty kill. Yep. You know, this team likes to be aggressive offensively and makes for a fun game to watch. They're and, they're a very entertaining team to watch. Yeah. And. You know, I love the way they're de-engaged. I love the way they de-jump in the rush. You know, you got guys who can really skate back there. Yeah. And it's it's made for our, some really fun games Yeah. so far this year. And I feel like Charles Martin and, uh, you know, Lots McDonald, the two guys, two guys who are offensively minded mm-hmm. out of the uh, out of the back end, they make the transition passes really well. And yep. the transition from, off, from defense to offense is really, really good. And, hey, you know, when you can do that, that's how you set up your offense. And the Jackets – this year, man, they've been piling up the goals. Yep. I mean, how many is that now for them on the year? I think, well, I think they're 59 for the year. Okay. You know, I think they scored 62 total last year, I think it was. Was it 62? Yeah. 62 goals, 69 goals, something like that. Because so, the past three or four years, offense has been challenging. Yeah, it has been. It has been, And they've been uh, – they just they do a lot of things right right now. And so deep. You know, I love the fact that they're balanced. Yep, they're very, very balanced. And they, they're they, every guy, every skater has at least one point now. Yep. You know, so they've uh, they're balanced, they're deep. They've got a lot of good things happening. And they got a lot of smiles yeah. on their faces they, when I they see do. them. They do. They yeah. do. You know, they're unbeaten in their last seven. They got 12 wins. We haven't had that in almost a decade here, right. you know. Yeah. So it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to be along for this ride this year, that's for sure. So uh, Coach mckenna has got a good group there and you know, they're yeah, they're nationally ranked. Yep. You know, it's not a uh, West Region ranking or anything like that. This is a national ranking. So yeah. it's it's nice to see them back in the top 15. So in other words, we got four teams that are doing a lot of good things right now. The, yes. You know, the they're and then and track and field just getting started. Yep. You know, they're just getting started and they there's, have the, there's, and there's been success there for years. So you've and the men seems at the number one ranked weight thrower yeah, in the country. You know, so, so you got you got a lot of good things happening. It's a good time to be a yellow jacket. Yep, it really is. Speaking of somebody being a yellow jacket, Andrew Durham's a senior on the yellow jacket men's hockey team and he'll be joining us in the next segment here and uh, we look forward to a good conversation with him about uh, this year's team and about his career. He's had a very interesting road that he has traveled in order to get to this point and I think people will enjoy hearing the story. So we'll we'll have that for you coming up here in the next segment. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with Mr. Durham right after this. You're listening to Eye of the Swarm. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Barker's Island Inn of Superior. The Barker's Waterfront Grill offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner overlooking the harbor. More at BarkersIslandInn.com, northern Wisconsin's island getaway. We're back on this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by Andrew Durham, a senior on the Yellow Jacket men's hockey team, the nationally ranked Yellow Jacket men's hockey team. How does that feel? How does that sound? <laughs> it's been a uh, it's been a long road, that's for sure. Um, you know, no offense to anyone who's on the team with me currently, but my first year, if you told me, "Oh, your your senior year, you guys will be ranked," you know, in the top fifteen in the country, I've been like, "Yeah." Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just a lot different back then. I mean, I mean, you remember any given night, you know, me and Hamnick and and Eklund, Litchke and Bruno would play half an hour, and you know, that's just you're not going to win games if you got guys having to, multiple guys having to play that much hockey. Um, it was fun because I hadn't played in a while, but um, yeah, it's it's a great feeling. 
um, you know, obviously you want to leave a place better than you found it. And um, I think it's pretty obvious for the seniors, including myself, Bruno, Liam, uh, Colton, that we're going to be doing that, which is a really good feeling. So, Is it a little bit of validation too? I mean, I, speaking specifically for this year, because I, I think there were a lot, probably myself included, that looked yeah. at, okay, you guys beat Stevens Point and, you know, the fourth game of the year, defending national champions, This things are going in the right direction. It took two months after that for you finally to crack that top 15. So it was a little bit of a validation, too, of it legitimizes it a little bit going, yeah, we, we do have things moving in a really good direction. Yeah, here. yeah. And, I mean, I also kind of understood why it took us, why it took them that long to put us up there. I mean, if, if you think about it, trying to put yourself in other people's shoes, you know, we haven't been good you know, for a while. Right. Um, and... Stevens Point and Eau Claire were really the only really strong, strong teams that we had played for a while. Um, so it wasn't like we were super tested. Not that the teams that we played are, you know, are bad teams. They're not. But um, we didn't have any of those real powerful offensive teams um, matched up against us. And I think, you know, after this past weekend, you know, both those teams were supposed to be, um, you know, pretty decent teams. And I thought they were. Um, we just came out and played a better game. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of validation for all of us. Um, it's like I said, it's a really good feeling. Um, never never thought we'd be here. I thought we'd be here at the beginning of this season after we won a few games. But sure. last year, I never thought we'd be here. And the year before, I never thought we'd be here. So it's great. You t- you mentioned powerful offensive teams and looking at numbers. That's you guys. It is us. It is us. Uh, one thing that does scare me is it looks like Stevens Point kind of woke up a little bit. They put um, some things together now. Yeah, yeah and um, I've said that a couple times in the locker room, going, "Oh boy, Stevens Point's back." And the freshmen are like, "Oh, what do you mean? Like we're a good team?" I'm like, "Hey, I completely understand that. You have no idea what it's been like the last two years, knowing going into Stevens Point that you're going to get smacked by those guys because they have four lines of studs, and they didn't lose a game last year. Right. Like, do you realize how hard that is to do? That is so hard to do. Um, and so when I saw that they swept Eau Claire, I was like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> here we go. They're back. Um, but at the same time, um, this is a superior team that they've never had to handle before. Um, and I have full you know, confidence that we'll be able to go and duplicate the last outcome that we had against them. So It's, it's going to be a really interesting finish. Now, this coming weekend, the last one of non-conference play and then the last eight games, yeah. it's – you know, a mad dash to the, the end of the WIAC season. And, you know, Claire's ranked third in the country. Stevens Point looks like they're putting it together. River Falls is winning games. Stout's a team that, that beat you guys once already this yep. year. This is going to be a really interesting finish and easily, I think, the most compelling finish in the WIAC in, in your three years. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, the WIAC's never been easy um, since I've been here. Uh, it is pretty crazy to look at, you know, the USCHO polls and stuff every week and see, you know, there's us and Stevens Point and Eau Claire, and River Falls is always in the voting too. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any other division that there's four teams in the in the conversation every week, um, which is what it looks like uh, for the WIAC. And, I mean, Northland's not bad either. Like, if you go play Northland in their rink, it's a tough game because you just, you know, how that rink is. Right. Um, I think it's a different story when they play us at home. Um, just, I mean, you can see from the results that we've had. But when we play them there, it's a completely different ball game um you know we're also i have a theory i told rich this a couple times we are really good on big sheets and then when we go to a little sheet we're used to playing on the big westman sheet we go to a little sheet and we are bad um and it's been proven 
to me at least, um, the whole season. And, and Chatham, we struggled because that's a tiny little rink. And Northland, we struggled because it's a tiny little rink. And then we come back here, play Northland, you know, the next day after we played them there, and we smoke them. And then we did it again. And I really think it's because our team is geared for that big sheet of ice. And then when we go and play in those little rinks, we have no idea what to do because all the time we're used to is, you know, cut in half. It's a time and space thing then? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I I guess I never really thought about it. I brought it up in the pregame to Rich on Friday because you've got a St. John's team that's going from an Olympic-sized sheet Mm -hmm. to a slightly smaller sheet here. You know, and, and he said... Probably not going to make a difference for them here, but tomorrow when they go to Northland, they're oh, going to yeah. have a yeah. huge difference. What was difference. the score of that game? It was only 3-2. Did St. John's win? Yeah. Yeah. I I think they're maybe a little more um, loaded up than Northland, but, you know, offensively. Right. Um, I think they're, they're, they're a better team than their record shows. Yeah, yeah. They're fast. They move mm-hmm. the puck. Um, I guess they just had trouble putting it in against us, but. Yeah, that, I'm telling you, the, the ring size makes a difference, especially for our team, um, which is a little scary. Depending scary on where, knowing that seven of your last ten go. are on the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eau Claire's rink isn't huge, neither is Stevens Point. Right. Um, so, but those rinks are a lot different than Northland and Chatham, so. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I thought you, you know, so far we've touched on a couple different points here I'm talking about. You know, a more compelling Wyack race, which we haven't had in a while. There's been a certain... well, they've been compelling. We just well, yeah. haven't been a part of it. Well, that. yeah. I mean, it's it's there's a well, there we, was there we was a... snuck in there last year. We snuck. Yeah, out you there. snuck into the top three, but it was still a two horse race for most of the oh, year. Yeah, oh, and it yeah. has been for the last few years. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been Eau Claire and Stevens Point, and yep. then everybody else is kind of bringing up the rear, right? Trying mm-hmm. to figure out who's going to be in three, fourth, and fifth. Right. That's been kind of the you know, that's that's been kind of the mark of delineation. And I think you know, going back to the conversation about the poll. Polls are mostly about perception, right? And in the WIAC, the teams that have, in recent years, shown out on the national level are Point and also Eau Claire. Those are the teams that have either won a national title. I think they both have won national titles, haven't they? Yep. Yeah, yeah. In the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. You know, and for so for us, talking UW Superior and Stout and River Falls, it's trying to catch up to that and try to kind of blur those lines a little bit. Where everybody looks at it and says, well, there's Point. And there's Eau Claire, a couple of teams that have won national championships recently. And then there's the rest of the conference. Right. And that's the thought process, which is why, in my opinion, that's why it took longer to get into the poll, I think, then. Because it's just like, well, you know, yeah, they, they, they split with Eau Claire. They split, you know, with Endpoint. And then they played Marion, who's a good team, as far as the, you know, the pairwise ranking would, you know, they have a good power ranking. But then after that, you're not sure. You know, and you see them, you guys putting up five, six goals on some of these teams, like a St. John's, like Concordia, some of the other teams yeah. that you guys have played in the non-conference, but they go, still not sure. Still right. not sold because it's been a long time. Right. You know, if you guys had put out this record in, like, say, 2008, 2009, there's no doubt that you had been ranked. Mm-hmm. But it's been a while since the team has been relevant on a national scene or a national, uh, you know, on the national scene as far as a perception, a case of perception. And now that's starting to come around a little bit. And now the voters are going, yeah. And D3, I think more so than like D1 or D2 in any kind of poll, is more about perception. Because you just don't see a lot of these teams. Right. You know, you have to go, I mean, you look at their record, then you have to look at who they played, and that's about what you got. So it takes a little bit of, of extra time, I think, to get into a poll if you're a D3 school that hasn't traditionally been good, you know, than it does if you're a D1. And even at the D1 level, there is that perception question, you know, that comes in. So. Yeah. I'm not surprised, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the end of the year. I mean, you guys have definitely put your stamp on this season. And the other thing is, you and I have talked about this. 
it comes down to a point also, and this goes with pollsters and perception, they're not going away anymore. Had a great start. Okay. Right. Let's see what they do with them next month. Oh, still in there? Okay. Yeah, maybe. And then you get to that last half of the year and you're still there, then they start going, okay. They're not going to go away. Right. We have to take them seriously now. Yeah. And that's yeah. also a big part of it. It's, it's, you're not under the radar anymore. No. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Well, and I think another indicator is, you know, we've had a real scoring issue in the past. Um, you know, you, you have your top two or three scores on the team, and then after that there's a major, major drop-off. Um, and then finally this year is not, it's not the case at all. You know, we got, you know, I think almost everyone on the team has at least a goal. Not everyone, but several. Everybody has a point. And everyone has a point, which hasn't happened in the past, um, which is scary. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we've got guys who – should have probably been scoring in the past, actually scoring now. Right. Um, you know, last year we had a real tough time scoring. You know, there was, you know, the top three scores and then it just dropped off like that. And same, you know, same with my first year. Um, but, you know, it's not, you know, now we got four lines scoring. Um, you never know. The was, balance is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never actually played on a team that, like, I any line can score at any time. And even guys who were scratched the night before go in, the next day, and then their line's fine, and they score, you know, two goals. Right. Um, like, think about, you know, Will Blake last game. You know, his line was awesome, and Will didn't even play the game before that. Right. Like, um, and which is – and I think Will's a really good player, so the fact that Will is, you know, scratched is, is crazy. I never thought we'd be there. Like, our team's just so deep. Uh, it's it's hard, I'm sure, for everybody. Um, what, what does it make practice like? Because, you know, now there is there's a legitimate competition to get in that lineup. It's no longer, well, I can score, so I, I know yeah. I can I can dog it and practice a little bit. I'm going to play this weekend. That's not necessarily the case anymore. Yeah, I'd say, you know, we have some pretty good pace to our practices. Um, you know, if you if you come and watch our practice, if you, or if you saw a practice from last year or the year before versus this year, it would be very different. And not like, you know, we don't have that many – we have a lot of new guys this year, but we have also a lot of returners this year. It's not like the guys who were there last year were always just, you know, taking a walk down the, you know, in the park for every right. practice last year. That's not how it was. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows that you know, if you don't show up for practice, and you know, coach has to make the decision off of something. So that's going to be a pretty big factor in whether or not you're going to play that next game or that next weekend. So um, I think that's in the back of everyone's mind and obviously super uncomfortable like you don't want to see I don't think anyone on our team deserves to be scratched ever um but you have to um and some guys get you know worse shakes than others but like I said I I don't think anyone you know no one practices in a way that makes them deserve to sit out anymore which is not what happened in the past um which is good to see um and like I said everyone that comes in comes in flying and makes a difference right away I mean look at Alec McKenzie hadn't played a game in like nine games and that was like the most effort I've ever seen on an empty net goal in my entire life. Right. Um, and he made a really good pass through that guy's legs behind, like behind his back, to get it to Pat for that empty net goal. I mean, right. Mac hadn't played, and it was, yeah. it was it was literally like nine or ten games. Well, and it was the yeah. hustle too to nullify the ice. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this he was is flying. It, yeah. was, it was awesome. I, I will say this, and John goes back a lot longer than I do in this regard. But I think of all the years that I've been around since about. 2007, 2008, something like that, and watched UWS hockey. This is probably the most balanced team that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, the team was still nationally relevant or considered nationally relevant, but in 2007, 2008, 2009. But 
there was, it still was top heavy as far as the points go. There was about three or four guys that were getting all the points, and everybody else just kind of filled a role on those teams. This team, I mean, you guys against St. John's, you win the game six to two. You had six different goal scores. Yeah, I mean that's well, that's I've not the it. first time that's happened. I mean, you go back to game one, I believe, seven different goal scorers. Every forward had at least a point. I mean, this is something that started in game one and has gone all year. Well, yep. this is the first time. This is the first season since I've been here that's happened, for sure. Like by not even close. Right. I mean, that first year it was you know Ian, Ian, Lichke, Bruno, me, Ian, 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 <laughs> and, and, and you know, and that's like, but I that's literally what it was. Um, and then York came, and you know, York helped out a lot um, for sure. Uh, but I mean, I I remember that first year that I came vividly, and just how awful it was. Like we could not score at all, and. We only had one power play, and everyone knew what we were doing. So if we scored, it was a Christmas miracle because all they had to do was watch video the night before and be like, okay, we just stand between Durham and Eklund and don't let them go across to Bruno, and we're good to go. Like, <laughs> like, that's literally what it was, though. I mean, it, and so now, you know, we change power plays and all that all the time, and it, it, it makes it easier because, you know, teams can't just camp out between two guys and shut down the whole operation anymore, which is – really nice um yeah i mean this it's just night and day compared to you know what what i was used to the last two years here and um yeah it's been great well level of consistency has also been fantastic to watch and that's one of the things that i look for in terms of judging a team how is their play on a on a nightly basis or a daily basis depending um you know it, it because to be a really good team Basically, you have to beat everybody you're supposed to beat and then pick off a few here and there, right? I mean, and that, that comes down to consistency, you know, not taking your eyes off the prize. And, you know, in the last few years, we've definitely had times, I think, with the men's team where, you know, guys, have, there's just been a slump. There's been a two- or three-game stretch where it's just like, boy, we were just not very good for about two or three weeks there, and it ended up costing us. You know, I haven't seen that happen with this team, and I don't think it will, but it's that level of consistency. And a lot of it has to do also with that depth question of, of being able to spread around the points but I think the level of effort even has just been much better this year. And I think that that's one of those things that kind of snowballs when you start winning at the beginning. You know, because Rich, I remember, you know, you and I talked about it with him, John, is that we can't go into the first two weeks having lost three games right away. Because if that we do that, it's going to take us right out of it, and then we're just going to be filling the rest of the schedule. You know, just play out the schedule, get the year done, and then, you know, move on to the next year. When you guys didn't do that, I felt like it got contagious, and then the effort yeah. just stayed the same, basically. I mean, because of the 15 games you guys have played, I think there's been maybe maybe one game where the guys were like, no, we just weren't very good tonight. And that was, I think, the Stout game you said that it was yeah, the one. That, for sure. Yeah, that was the game. Yeah. It just, we weren't good enough. But even that game was really only the first period where it seemed like, gosh, we just don't have it tonight. Yeah, and I mean, that's another example of what I was saying earlier. We go show up at some rink that's maybe <laughs> not the nicest rink ever. It's pretty small. It's negative five. It's negative five thousand in that <laughs> rink. My toes are frostbite on the bench. Like at least you get to move, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's terrible for you. I'm sure. But you we, know that's we've but talked that's, about it a lot, which got over there. That's another. But I'm serious. Like that's another example. Like we are not good in, you know, that kind of atmosphere. You know, you got four people in the stands. Or there's metal bleachers that you see at your kid's soccer game in the summer. 15 um, degrees in the rink. Yeah, yeah and, and you know what I mean? Like, But I'm serious. you know. Like, And then we come to Westman, it's a completely different, it's a completely different story. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's literally those small, you know, not saying they're not as nice. I'm not trying to dig on any team's rinks here. I'm right. just saying, you know, they can't help what their rinks are like. 
but I'm just saying, you know, those rinks aren't as nice as some, and it literally, I it plays a plays a factor. People try to pretend like it doesn't, but I think it really does because that's what happens to us every time. Interesting. That's interesting. That reminds me of what you said about Chatham's rink, the fact that they actually have to get up and bus 45 minutes. Yeah, that's awful. From that's campus. a tough. That's a tough gig. I mean, <laughs> I I feel bad for those players. I didn't I didn't like riding the bus from the bottom of campus at West Point to the top of campus to get to the rink, and that was a five minute ride. Those guys ride one those 45 minutes <laughs> right. at like 4 a.m. or yeah, 5 a.m. Yeah, or whatever it is. That yeah, is awful. At six, they're up by. Five maybe. Yeah. How do they? How do they? They must not tell them what practice schedules like when they recruit (laughs) them. Wait till wait till they come in. Hey, by the way, you're gonna have to ride at the shuttle at five in the morning with all the boys. Well, it just it it just takes your mental energy away. Well, and like imagine imagine if you missed that. Yeah. You know, you're a guy that didn't bring his car because you you heard you got a shuttle to practice. Well, if you missed that. You can't just you can't just walk like yeah, here. If you that, really have to, you can you know get on your horse and run or something, and right, you can probably right. still save yourself. But there, I mean, that's a forty-five minute. Yeah, it's whatever. a forty-five minute, and forty-five minutes. What is that? About thirty miles, maybe. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty it's, bad. Uh, it's something like and it probably feels like that. And it's pretty hilly there too. It I mean, is you know, hilly. Yeah. It's yeah. So that would be that'd be a tough run. Just getting up that hill right there at the bottom of the parking lot to get <laughs> right. to the rink is a is a leg burner. That's a tough run. And then yeah. the whole shtick of you know got to get up at four thirty, got to be to the rink by six. We're practicing. By 6.15 or oh, whatever, yeah. and then we got to get on the bus, come all the way back, then we got class, yep. you know, I mean, and then we have, might have team meetings. It's just, that I mean, it adds a whole nother level of difficulty to I, what you're trying to do. It's a completely different college experience there. Um, and they had, I mean, they had some players that were good, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they they weren't short on on players. They had some pretty good pretty good players. Well, I marvel at how nice of a setup Westman is, really, when you go around and you see some of these other rinks. Um, and my goodness, I mean, yeah. if you're talking about trying to recruit to a facility, you know, oh, West Bend's sure. great mm-hmm. because it's, it's nice and warm on the inside. You know, it's got high ceilings. For sure. You know, yeah, the you, ice is in good shape. You've got, your, you've got your own locker room. You've got your own weight room. It's, yep. it's a nice setup. Just can't show those recruits the videos of all the pucks trampolining off the boards every time you, <laughs> every time you hit it off the, the boards. The boards are a whole different story. If I you dump, if you dump it in hard enough, you can clear that puck out of the zone. It'll hit the boards and launch right out. Won't even touch the, won't even touch the ice. It'll go over <laughs> the blue line back the other way. I swear. Speaking of those boards, speaking you, uh, of pucks, yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> have you ever had that happen before? Yeah, you ever I, had I, completely I, obliterate a puck like that. You know what's funny is like I really didn't know what was going. on. I was like, what, what in the world? You know, I said you know probably something a lot less nice than that, but um, yeah, it was. I had never seen. I had never seen that before. I, I mean, apparently other guys have, but. Um, and like I went back to the bench, I was like, "Did you guys see that?" And they're like, "Yeah, we get it during you have a hard shot." I was like, "That's not." I was like, "That's not really." I was like, "It's really not what I'm going at here." I've just right. have never seen that. I'm not trying to be like, "Oh yeah, my shot's so hard." Like I was just like, "Wow, I've really never seen that." I live in Texas. Come on, like I don't know. Well, I'm not exposed like, to all like things the hockey all the time. Benny the Jet Rodriguez busted the guts out of the ball. Well, and I, sh- I was mad because I should have scored. But um, <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing is, I was on the other side of the rink, yeah. and I didn't know what had happened because I was standing there, and all of a sudden there's this. Oddly long stoppage yep, after yep. a shot that you know. Well, it it wasn't just like four pieces. Like some of it was like dust, right? And it was all over the ice, and it, it like got in my it went in my cage too. Like it hit the glass, and I turned into the behind the net because I you know, was trying not to Falling, run into the yeah. goalie, and uh, it was like in my cage, and I was like rubbing my face off, and I was like, "What in the world is that?" And the pucks laying there, and uh, yeah, that was. Well, I saw you and was the, weird. The, the St. John's guy were both standing there, kind of looking down, like. <laughs> Well, it's like, oh, well, do I do I play that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you guys are standing half? there for a second, yeah. and then the official came over, and I was like, well, 
At first, I thought it was a problem with the glass. That's what I thought it would happen. Because just usually when that kind of stoppage happens, it's like, well, there's a, something yeah, with the glass. Right. That's what I thought it would happen. But then Kirky came over and he told me, it's like, no, 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 Derm let go of a shot in it. it he exploded the puck. Yeah. And then he kind of shook his head and said, it's that stupid freezer. Yeah, Kirky yeah. put the freezer at negative 40 and right. the pucks were brittle. They were glass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because I thought it's like it was a good shot. But it I wasn't. Think- I mean, I didn't. I shot it hard-ish. I had. I've definitely had harder shots before. Um, I was super in tight, so I was just trying to go upstairs really, really quickly. And like I said, I should have scored. I was mad. I hit him right in the collarbone. Another inch higher, it would have been in. But um, I know what the goalie thought of that. I saved it, and then the thing exploded. Yeah, it would have been cooler <laughs> if it was like a big slap shot one timer or something. Then it exploded, but it was just like a little wrist flick and I was like oh well, that's weird <laughs> yeah well because that's why I was surprised because Kirky came back and he said did you see the picture and I said the picture of what Derm's puck and I said what about Derm's puck the one he shot in the first period and I said okay so then he showed it to me and I was just like like I I'd never seen that before Mm-mm. I'm sure it's happened in the NHL with guys who just you see it in practice because practice pucks start to chip apart and yeah, you know, yeah, you, you yeah. can. Well, we've got some can, pretty square pucks. Yeah, you can blow those things right up. Now. Yeah, but <laughs> some pretty interesting. You know, game, and a game puck. puck. Yeah, and that's weird. That was when that was when Kirky said I need to turn up the the heat on the freezer. Yeah, because I thought, I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good shot. Like I said, and I was on the far end, but it didn't. It wasn't out of character for any other shot I've seen oh. take. So I was no, like, I, well, <laughs> that's right. I, I mean, that's what I was saying. I was like, I. And the guys were like, "Oh yeah, you know, you're so you're such a hard shooter." <laughs> I was like, "The boys, that's really not what I'm trying to say." I just was like, you know, gawking at how weird that was. I have to ask Rich how he felt about it. <laughs> One next time I see him, no, he won't give me any credit. So, <laughs> just to say yeah. it was a bad yeah. puck. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Let's let's talk a little bit about the path getting here because you you do have an, an <laughs> you you have an interesting story. I mean, it's yeah. a it is definitely the the road less taken, I think, for sure. compared to a, a lot of players who end up. At this level and at this place in particular, so you, you've mentioned more than once now that you're, you're from Texas. Let's let's start there. How how does a kid from Texas start playing hockey? I know uh-huh. we've talked about it in previous conversations, but the group listening to this probably hasn't. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was actually influenced by some kids who lived in my neighborhood at the time, and that's the Cotton family. Um, David Cotton is drafted to the Carolina Hurricanes. He played for Cushing Academy. Now he plays for Boston College. Um, I believe he's in 90, uh, 98. 98. Um, his bigger brother, the middle one, Jason, was my age. He's 95. He plays for Sacred Heart now. Um, he and I were really good friends for a little while. Um, we're kind of like moral enemies now. And um, he and I had some pretty good battles going through um, midgets and things like that. And then they have an, another older brother who's a 93, Ryan. Um, who played in the North American Hockey League and stuff. So pretty big hockey family. Um, I think Jason's pretty much shredding it up at Sacred Heart right now too, so he may get a shot at some pretty good pro um, as well. So they were always playing, you know, roller hockey and stuff in the driveway, and I lived right there, and, you know, Jason and I went to school together my whole life. Um, so I ended up doing it, um, and they got me into roller hockey. I didn't play ice hockey for a long time. Um, so I started playing roller hockey when I was like five years old um, at – slap shot roller hockey in uh in richardson texas um it was actually a really nice facility which is pretty funny um you know really like nhl quality glass and boards and like there were some stands and like some nice like westman type seats and stuff which is hilarious I love it yeah yeah it's cool it's a real shame now it's closed now um and it's actually a real shame because it was a really nice facility um but i ended up playing that till i was like 10 i didn't play ro- i didn't play ice till i was like 10 I can't remember my exact age, but right. um, and I just played house for a few years and 
I played double A when I was like eleven. Played double A till I was sixteen. Um, sixteen finally made the triple A team um, in town, and sixteen is kind of like the the big year um, to be on a triple A team. There's no obviously no high school hockey in Texas. If you there is, but it's more geared towards you know the guys who have had less opportunity um, for a higher level. So I didn't really play high school hockey. Um, so I played U16, uh, AAA for the Dallas Stars Elite. Um, we were pretty, there were some pretty good players that went through that program. Uh, there was a kid who got drafted to the NHL my first year off that team from Russia. His name is Dmitry Sinitsyn. He got drafted to the Dallas Stars, um, which was crazy. You know, for me, I was like, oh my God, I was playing AA last year. Right. <laughs> um, right. So it was, that's pretty nuts. Um, the next year, we actually went to the national championship final uh, all the way, uh, which is pretty funny. Because if you look at the roster of guys we had, we had we didn't have anybody. We had uh, Blake Gober, who ended up playing at, at Penn State. J.M. Piotrowski ended up playing at Yale. Um, Matt Staples ended up playing in the WH in the WHL for Medicine Hat, and me, who Doesn't played. Sound like it sounds like he had people. To well, meet. wait until I tell you the team we played, <laughs> um, and then we had me who played zero games in Division One. Um, so. We played in the final. We played the Long Island Royals, who had their own TV show. Pat LaFontaine's yep, team. Yep, that one with Justin Bailey. And, um, you know, just we were completely out of our league. Uh, we got <laughs> we got smoked. But we beat teams on the way. Like, we beat Sonny Milano's team. Um, we beat the L.A. Junior Kings, who had, like, Yamamoto, both of them. Right. Um, Ryan Sorelke, who used to play for Rich in the USHL, who plays pro now. Um, he played four years at Miami of Ohio. I mean, they had they studs. Like, none of us on our team ever went on to another <coughs> level and were studs. Um, and so it was kind of funny. Like, that's when I realized, I was like, okay, like, we can, like. We can play this game a little yeah, bit. Right. Yeah, like, we're, we're not that bad. We're pretty, we can, we can do it. Um, so anyway, I, I did that, and I played two more years, U18. Um, and then you want to play juniors. Um, and my junior, my junior career was okay. Um, <laughs> I tendered with Odessa midway through my U18 season, my second U18 season. So I played, you know, I was considered an overager or whatever people call it. Um, I went and finished the year in Odessa after my U18 season ended, didn't win a game the whole time I was there. Um, <laughs> it was like 12 games. It's great for the experience. It was 12 games, but uh, didn't win a game the whole time I was there. Um, definitely didn't win a game that I played in. Um, had like no points. Had 40 penalty minutes in six games. Um, it was bad. It was very bad. Uh, <laughs> they invited me back to main camp that next summer. Um, actually led the camp in points, which was a you know miracle for me. I was like, okay, I made this team, thank God. You know, I don't have to worry about it. And they cut me. Um, they cut pretty much everyone except for one guy that had anything to do with the team from the year before, um, which I sort of understood. Um, I was actually so I was quitting. I was done. Their main camp was in late August. I had nowhere to go, um, and I was just going to go to school. And then the Melfort Mustangs called because my assistant coach that I played for U16 was friends with one of the coaches. So I knew nothing about the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League at all. Um, I knew nothing about Melfort, Saskatchewan. Um, I had never really been to Canada for more than a weekend before. And they said, yeah, we'll give you a month. Just buy a one-way ticket. We'll give you a month here. And if you make it, you make it. If you don't, we'll send you on your way. And I was like, 
okay, well, it'll be a month then. <laughs> and so I went up and um, I did their trial camp or whatever, and I did pretty well. Um, made the team, made it through training camp. Um, still thought that it was just a matter of time before I got dealt or cut. Because I was, you know, a Texan, and I'm sure they're all going, you know, what is this kid doing? Um, ended up being on, like, one of the best SJHL that teams was a powerhouse of team. all time. <laughs> yeah, that was a powerhouse team. <laughs> I happened to walk into something I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, there were guys on that team that were so much better than me that didn't get the opportunities that I did that should have. Um, and we lost, like, 12 games all year and played, like, 75 games. Right. Um, it was ridiculous. And, I mean, even when we'd be losing in the third period, we'd be down, you know, 4-2 in the third period. We'd score three goals in two minutes and win. And we did that, like, several times. And I was like, oh, my God, this team is this team is crazy. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I played, like, third-line center. Uh, you know, the first two lines, we had guys with, like, 100 points, uh, which is ridiculous. And the SJ is a hard league because everyone's just trying to take your melon off the whole time. Um so that yeah, was it's, crazy. It's, it's a it's it was, a rugged circuit. Isn't yeah, it? I learned a lot by playing. I learned oh, to yeah. travel, all of that. I learned how to hit, how to not get hit, how to take a hit and not get killed, uh, how to not get killed in a fight. Uh, you know, all that from the SJ. Um, and I mean, I I still got my block knocked off a few times. I had a pretty bad concussion while I was there. Um, but we won the SJ, which was crazy for me. Um, and I just want to say we won the SJ final in Wilcox, Saskatchewan, where Connor McLean's mother is the principal. Um, <laughs> and, and I scored a goal there, and she was probably at the game. So, <laughs> sorry, Connor. Um, this is a shout out, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I talked to him about it a lot too. I went home for Christmas break and sent him a picture of my ring. Um, <laughs> um, he didn't have anything to do with the team at that point though, right. so it's not like he lost um, so yeah and then we went to Western Canada Cup and played teams like the Penticton V's with Yost and Fabro and Hunter Miska was the goalie um, that was a powerhouse team Yep, um, which was crazy playing them I think every guy um, on that roster unless they had played in the Western League was a Division yeah, 1 yeah they were a Division 1 commit and we had zero on our team the only person that went Division One off that team was me, and I was by far not even close to the top of that team, um, which is what I mean. Like it was ridiculous that none of, none of the guys ever got a shake. I'm kind of sensing a theme here with your teams. It's interesting. It was it was it was pretty funny to me, um, but it was also an indicator that I needed to get out of there because after the season when none of those guys got deals, I was like, well, there's no point in me even being here. You know, like we had guys with a hundred you know points. 70 goals there were like there was a kid on my team travis may who had like 60 goals or something like that i was like if that guy doesn't get a shot like how am i gonna get a shot out of here right so i had to get out of there we went to rbc cup and uh portage portage la prairie portage la prairie smoked us and eliminated us but we beat some pretty good teams to get to that semifinal. we beat carlton place and went to the final yep um so that was pretty pretty that was a powerhouse team yep that that RBC Cup was loaded. Oh yeah, I was it there. Was, it was crazy. That was loaded. It was crazy. Between, I mean, Portage was so good. It they was just really ridiculous. Good. It was just ridiculous. Um, Penticton would have been better too if they hadn't had all you know fourteen year olds on that team. Right. Because um, you know my team's all 21, 20 year olds that were men. I was one of the smallest guys on my team, and you know when we played them, it was just you know kill them. <laughs> like it yeah. was like. They just, may be skilled, but let's just yeah, hit them. Right. Yeah. It was just go after them. Um, so the season ended, and I 
decide I wanted to get out of there. Um, there were some pretty interesting things going on behind the scenes with some of the staff that I didn't really like. Um, and so I got out of there and I wanted to go back to the North American League. And I went to five different main camps and got cut that summer. Um, I went to Janesville. I went to Lone Star. That was the second time I've been to Lone Stars. Um, I went to Springfield. I went to, what was the other one? Austin. Um, and I thought, so I thought I was done. I kept getting cut. Um, I went to Springfield and I was doing well in all of them except for Lone Star. It was like back to back main camps and I was, I was toast. I had nothing. Um, Springfield, after like the third game, he was like, you have a spot on this team. I was like, perfect. Thank God. Like I made it back in the league. Um, and then the all-star game came around and he goes, Hey, like we just don't have a fit for you. Like, good luck. I was like, Oh, perfect. So my last ditch effort was I looked at all the you know new teams for that year. And I called Bruno Bragagnolo, who was like the GM of the New Jersey Titans and, you know, said, Hey, like I'm a veteran junior player. Like, please just give me a chance, like whatever. And so they let me come to the main camp without paying too much, which was nice. And, uh, I ended up doing pretty well there. And, Rich took me, um, and I thought that I was just going to be done after training camp for sure. Um, and that Rich gave me the biggest shot that anyone's ever given me, um, and gave me, you know, probably more belief than any coach has ever given me, um, and gave me a lot of responsibility. Um, and it just kind of everything just fell into place. I I had no idea, like, we voted on captains, and I got voted to be one of the captains. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, and we ended up having a real good year. We kind of fizzled out at the end, but I had a really good year. A lot of guys had – we had tons of Division One commits. Um, and so, like, really rich is what kind of saved my my career, so to speak, because if I hadn't – if he hadn't given me a shot, I was going to go play in, like – the EHL or something, and I was, you know, probably just going to be done. Be in the federal league now. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I would probably just maybe have played there a season, maybe not. Probably just wanted gone to school, played club somewhere or something. Um, I traveled for Wilkesbury as well, and that coach told me to go back home and go to Arkansas and play club there like every other kid from Texas because I'm never going to make it. And then we played his team and had point nine against his team the whole year, <laughs> um, which is really fun because <laughs> they were really bad. But, um, yeah, so, like, the moral of the story is I actually owe it a lot to Rich. Um, so it's important to me that, you know, we show up for Rich as well because that guy cares a lot and he's a good coach. So I had pretty pretty bumpy road. That's um, a, it's a long and winding road. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, it, and there's still another stop in the middle between New Jersey and Superior. Yeah. And that uh, that, that was a bumpy was. road as well. Yeah. Um I It's hard to describe my time at West Point. Um you know, at that point in my hockey journey, I thought that I had kind of figured it out it playing-wise. Um and going into Army, I never thought that I would watch every game from the stands. I still think that I'm better than some of the guys that play on that team. <laughs> and I don't care. Like, it's fine. I'm, I'm better than some of those guys. I'm better, <laughs> I'm better than some of the guys that were upperclassmen that were playing over me then, too. Um, 
I play harder. I'm like, I'm not a, you know, I'm not afraid of physicality. Like, I mean, there were guys that would play in the game that were just absolutely scared. And it was really hard for me to watch. And I'm not saying that any of those guys on that team are bad. None of those guys on that team are bad. But I just felt like I could do more than some of those guys. And the only chance I got was a scrimmage against the RMC team, which is the Canadian West Point. And nothing against them, but, like, they're nowhere near the caliber of teams that Army usually plays. Right. And so when I played that game. real military college, right? Yeah. Yeah. When I played that game, it was just another, you know, it felt like another junior game. It wasn't hard. I had a point. Like, it was just another game. Um, but I just, it, it was, it just blew my mind. I never got a shot. Like not if, if I had gotten one game and been really bad, fine. But like, I didn't even get a game like, and for the first semester, I was a really good citizen. I was out there early, stayed late all the time, like working, working really hard, trying to get them to notice. And like, yeah, we see you working hard. We see you working hard. And then it hit February and I still hadn't played. And I was like, whatever. So then I just did whatever the heck I wanted and probably not the best thing ever, but like, I didn't care at that point. Like you guys didn't give me a chance. Like what I'm out of here. I knew I was going to leave. Um, and it, I'm not trying to, you know, dog on any of them, the staff there, coach Riley, coach McKelvey, either one, like nothing like that. But, um, it wasn't a fair shake at all. And I still have a hard time seeing Coach McKelvey when we play Bethel or when Bethel's around. You know, I say hi and stuff, but I still have a really hard time. Like, that's something that stays that has stayed with me sure. the whole time. You know, you go to a school that's you know comparable. Not, I don't mean this in a literal sense, or I kind of do, but you go to a school that's comparable to being in prison, and then you don't go, you don't get to do what you're there for. Why am I here? Right. Like, yeah. sure, I wanted to serve in the military or whatever. My grandfather was a colonel. Like, you know, that's you know honorable thing to do and I would have done it no problem without thinking twice about it but I was there to play hockey and to help them win and no one gave me a shot to help them win so see ya like, well life at the service academies is really different I mean oh it, for sure it's so different I mean I had a chance to tour Air Force when I was in Colorado Springs one time and um we went, and they showed us all their athletic facilities and all this kind of stuff, too. And that was in the middle of football season. Of course, Air Force is known as a football power somewhat, um, especially amongst the other, other service academies. And um, their life, your life is so regimented, you know, uh, especially if you're there. You know, I mean, just for the regular students, it's really oh, regimented. Yeah. And if you're an athlete, it's even more so. Oh, yeah. And they had nice facilities at Air Force, but it was amazing to me to watch the daily grind that everybody went through. I mean, just even going from class to class – they expect you to 75% or whatever it is. Like, you're, you're expected not just to walk, but you have to, you know, at least the Air Force they did. Well, yeah, I mean, each academy has their different rules. I mean, Air Force literally has white tiles everywhere over the whole school where the freshmen can only walk on the white tiles yep. at these 90-degree angles. Yep. I mean, and, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. But, like, right. you know, when, yeah. I, when I was there, the fre- you're not even allowed to talk as a freshman. Right. You're not allowed to talk. So yeah. you're not allowed to talk outside. You're not allowed to talk in the academic buildings unless you're in class, like, talking to your teacher. Um, you're not allowed to talk, like, in the hallways of the barracks. You only talk in your room or at your sport, pretty much. Right. Or yeah. at your, at your you know, meal table when you've been, you know, called in to, you know, begin eating. Like, you have to right. stand there at attention until they say you may be seated. Right. When and all 4,000 cadets are in there eating, eating their meals. Um, and so, I mean, like, you're not even allowed to speak to people. 
and I'm 21 years old. I, you know, there's 19 year olds who are getting in my face who don't even haven't even grown armpit hair yet. Right. Who are yeah. yelling at me. And I'm you know, I'm feeling like I'm you know on the cusp of being a man at this point, and this little teenager is like getting in my face, and I haven't done anything. They just can do it because they want to. Right. And you know, it, it took me. I had one bad instant during basic training. There was a, a squad leader in my platoon. So each platoon has four squads, and each squad is 10 people. And there's a squad leader for each one, which is an upperclassman. And this guy thought he was just the coolest cat ever. And he's always running around, you know, you know, Sergeant blah, blah, blah. I won't use his name, but, you know, Sergeant Smith. We'll call him Sergeant Smith. You know, Sergeant Smith, you know, always so, you know, looking good, talking cool, all this stuff. And I was staying there at attention one day during formation and hadn't moved a muscle or said anything. I haven't even moved my eyes. And he gets up in my face. He's like, Durham, you think you're better than us? And I was like, what? I was like, dude, are you serious? I go, no. He goes, are you talking during formation? I'm like, oh. I go, your breath stinks. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, oh, so you do think you're better than us? I go, honestly, I, I, no, I don't think so. He goes, you think you could take me? And I, and I like kind of looked him up and down. I go, yeah, pretty, pretty sure I could. And like, but at this point, it was just sheer frustration. Like, I wasn't trying to. Like, I was super into the whole basic training. It was fun. Like, I had right, a good yeah. time. Like, I tried to do it the right way. Um, but this guy was going after me just to go after me. I was like, yeah, honestly, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could. I'm older than you. I'm bigger than you. Like, it probably wouldn't go your way. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I mean, how many fights have you been in, man? He's like, I was like, yeah, it sounds like zero to me. So um, not that I've been in a lot, but I've been in more than one. <laughs> right, so, yeah, uh, right. Like, I think I could probably come out on top on this one. Like, and all the other all the other kids that are in my class who are, you know, 17, 18, looking at me like, oh, my God. Like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> but And I got in big trouble for that. I do a lot of push-ups and, you know, whatever. But, it, like, you get pushed to your limits there for sure. You know, I was happy if I got to sleep until 7.30 in the morning. Right. Like, yeah. um, you know, you're going to class from 7.30 to 3.30 with a little break for 15 minutes in there from 12 to 12.15 to eat your lunch, and that's about it. And then when you're done with that, you go up and, you know, if you're a D1 athlete, you go and do your sport till eight and then you go right. back to your room and you're like oh my god i'm so tired but you have six hours of homework to do because you have to take 22 credit hours worth of stuff both semesters your freshman year so it was like i mean there were nights where i was like yes i got three hours of sleep like i'm gonna be going tomorrow at practice like it slept in baby you know like, <laughs> like, i'm serious like that's how it was it, it, it's yeah. crazy it's good and your body gets used to it after a while like you know the first first few weeks are pretty rough especially at basic training or you know trying to go out in the morning for a workout and you're like oh i can't even keep my eyes open um you know or you forget to shave or something and, right and then they you know, and yeah like i said i'm you know 21 at this time and all my classmates are 18 so some of them don't even grow facial hair there's me i have to shave twice a day or else people start yelling at me because i got stubble on my face you know i can shave in the morning by 4 p.m i got i gotta shave again because it's obvious yeah. Um, my uncle's that way. He, yeah. He has that kind of beard. Yeah. Just, and, and, you know, yeah. the, the kids in my class were all like, wow. <laughs> just so impressed. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm old. Like, that's yeah. awesome, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Service Academy of Life, that's one of the things that it, it's so regimented and so disciplined. Like, you don't get the chance, you know, like, if you're frustrated about not being able to play, mm-hmm. you can't just blow, you know, blow, blow, you know, 
off the steam when you get back to your room. No. Or no. with your even with your teammates. No. I mean, it's because it's, I didn't, okay, well, your sport's yeah. over for the day. Now it's on to marching or doing whatever. You know, and it's like, wow. It just, there's, I mean, it's just everything is, is planned out from the yeah. get-go. Well, the, the culture of our team there was just so much different. Like, here, if we got guys that are down, like, we'll, someone will grab you and give you a hug or something, you know? Like, there, no one helped me. It was obvious that I was the one getting the bad shake. There was one other guy, a defenseman, who didn't play a game the whole year. He's a senior, he's still there. He's a senior now. I think he's played like six games total in his whole time there, which is ridiculous, which yeah. is ridiculous. He's yeah. not a bad player. He's yeah. not a bad player. Brian Gerson, Phil, if you're listening to this, I always thought you were good. Um, <laughs> but like, but that's ridiculous. Like, that's, right, he, yeah. The guy played in the BCHL. He's a good player. He's a solid player, super strong, big kid, like can handle the puck and shoot it, can pass. Like, There's no reason. Like, Why, why bring a kid in? If you're gonna do that, six games Why? in four years is tough. That's uh, yeah. and that's yeah. I don't that's know if really that's the tough. official number, but right. it's pretty. It's something close to that. Okay, like, right. Yeah. And um, it, it, none of the upperclassmen ever ever came up like, "Hey, man, like we see you're working hard. Like, hang in there. Like, hey, man, how are you doing? Like, you know, I, I struggled in like school. There is hard. School, oh yeah, school. I could. Especially I could. Especially rolling twenty two credits. That's yeah, not. Yeah. No. School there is that's rough. is real hard. The admission standards are crazy hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, then I came here and I was like, oh my god, I could, I could never show up to class ever and get A's in all my classes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not. I don't. But do you that. don't do that. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, don't. <laughs> I don't do. That. Ask any of my teachers. I'm a, I'm a good. But it's I'm so a good different. Attendance it's, guy. It's such a different thing but, though, because um, like I said, the, I mean, just the, the admitting standards are so. They're they're incredibly stringent at all three of the service Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Whether you're at Navy or Air Force or Army, yeah. you're. I mean, they're taking. I forget what their acceptance rate is. It's like less than twenty percent. I want. Well, to say. and and that, that brings me happens. that brings me to my next point is, a lot of the people who got in there on their own salt academically really look down upon the athletes. They think that they did more to get into West Point than the athletes did. Well, I had like a three seven five in high school, like. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you can't just and it's not. It's yeah. not like I had a two O, and they're like, "Yeah, he plays hockey. Let him in." Like, no. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that was another thing. You know, Army is supposed to be America's team. You see the commercials on 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 TV all the time. America's team. You know. Right. Uh, that is West Point is so the opposite of that. It's not even funny. They have the honor code, which I understand, but right. basically, if you see anyone do anything wrong ever, you have to tell on them so they can be in trouble. Okay. Well, the way that I work is if I see one of my, you know, teammates, classmates, you know, we're all supposed to be on the same team because we're in the Army, mm-hmm. which is the America's team, Army. Like, I'll be like, hey, man, like, are you all right? Like, you know, you need help? Like, someone comes up to me asking for a answer on one of the homeworks or whatever. Like, hey, I can't get this answer. I'm like, oh, yeah, here you go, man. Like, yeah, I, I did it, like, for sure. Super bad to do that at West Point. Like if you do that, you're going before a little hearing of your of these officers and stuff, and you get punished. You do walking hours in your Civil War era cotton costume with the big fluffy hat and the you know M1 Grand, and you're doing on Saturday morning at eight in the morning walking back and forth across the courtyard for five hours, uh, just back and forth from wall to wall, and like like that just that I, I couldn't understand that. I understand if people do bad things, like that's fine, like punish them, but. Like, I know a kid who we went to New York. We went to New York City, and I know a guy who was of age. And some kids in his company asked him for some drinks, like to buy him to buy them yeah, drinks. Buy him drinks. Okay. So he did. Those kids got really drunk on the train back to West Point, got caught, 
And they said, well, how'd you get the booze? You're in New York City. You could say, you could say Zach Galifianakis got you the booze. Yeah. You could say President Obama got you the booze. You could, anyone. It's New York City. Yeah, anybody could have done it. And he, and, he, and he gave them the name of the kid that did it. And that kid was punished forever for that. Like, yeah. that is just out of this world to me. That is crazy. That is crazy. I would never in a million years want to be like, oh, yeah. Here you go. Here's yeah. the name of the West Point cadet that did it. Like you're in New York City, you could literally say anyone. Yeah. LeBron James, like anyone. Yeah. Like who knows? Like I, it just blew my mind. Yeah. Absolutely blew my mind. The There's, entire philosophy is so different. It's just very, you know, you know, and I they kind of touch on it a little bit in the, some of the you know movies that you see, and it's a little bit sensationalized, I think, at a certain level. But you don't question authority if you're in in the army. You it, just don't. It, it wasn't about you have a chain of command that. and it you know yeah it's, it's it, you know and it, everything goes to the chain of command. It's just it, it's a very different lifestyle. I'm not even saying that it's wrong. It's just very different. It's a very different approach to yeah. what they're doing. Um, and you know you're right when it comes to the athletes. You have to be. I mean I I looked up Air Force because they were uh, playing in a bowl game this year again, which they usually do in football. But you go down their list of their guys and they're, they're you know the guys that are even leading the team. The academic honors are just as impressive as anything they did athletically. Oh yeah, I mean they're all guys that had AP classes and were all above four O's in high school, and every right. single one of them was, you know, a Rhodes Scholar or about to be a Rhodes yep. Scholar. You know, I mean it was, <laughs> they the service academies are different. They just are. Yep. You know, you can't just walk in because you're an athlete. You know, that's the reason why you don't see a lot of those athletes able to go to places like Army or Navy or Air Force. You have to be able to match them both, and that's that's a grind, man. And it's impressive. It's impressive to me that you were able to even do it just for a short amount of time. I, I, it's, yeah, and I look back, I try to look back on it, like, positively, because um, I did learn a lot and did some things that a lot of people will never get the opportunity to do. Um, you know, got gassed, shot a big rocket launcher, you know, things like that, where I was like, okay, it's pretty sweet. Um, you know, had the biggest machine gun as right. my as my weapon for most of basic training, the M240 Bravo, which, you know, is fed by a belt of 7.62, which is really cool. Um but there are so many things that, you know, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah. One of the big reasons why I left is I got, you know, and this is another thing, you know, um, you take boxing class your freshman year. So I took boxing class my second semester freshman year. And in the, in the you have to do bouts and you're graded. It's a class. Like you get a grade, you know, it counts towards your GPA, all that. Oh, wow. So you have to have an actual fight like once a week against someone else in your class, right? And they have rules. You're only allowed to throw one power punch with your rear hand to the guy's face. Okay? Right. So does that make sense? They're trying to limit the concussion. Right, yeah, yeah, I understand right? what okay. they're trying to do. So I go yeah. up against this football player who's massive, and I'm like, oh, great, here we go. He comes out of the gate right away, throws a huge haymaker at my face with his rear hand, misses. I'm like, okay, cool, I don't got to worry about that, that punch anymore because he threw his one. So we keep going, we fight or whatever, it's pretty even, like, you know, and then I see him wind up with his rear hand again, and so I start protecting my body because he can't throw another face on because it's only one. And he just clocks me in the chin so hard, and I knew immediately I had a concussion. Like, it's not my first one. I was like, yep, I'm done. And no, and no, one, no one said anything to him at all. They're like, yeah, all the, all the, co- all the coaches in there, like, yeah. And I'm like, that's literally the rule. Like, you, just, you guys just gave me the rules. This is the most rule-following School. institution yeah. I've ever been to in my entire life. We're supposed to be, all be on the same team. He just knocked me out because he threw an illegal punch for what the 
rules were, and right. you're cheering. Yeah. You're, oh yeah, man, a cadet just got knocked out. What a what a rush! Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's absolutely ridiculous. This guy was fired up. Both these both these coaches were fired up. I was like, oh yeah, you guys are such you guys are such winners, man. Like, twenty one year old twenty <laughs> one year old kid just got knocked out from an illegal punch. Like, man, you guys must have a good life if that's what gets you off. Like, it's just it's just. Oh, it just it's, makes me. It's totally different. I mean, my my family. We were family friends with a guy who was a. Uh, he went to West Point, yeah. and he was from the inner cities of Chicago. Came up uh, through the ghetto, yeah. And kind of made his own way, and um, he was an Army Ranger. He, he yeah, trained as a awesome. Ranger, and yeah. so he was as tough as it gets. He actually fought in Vietnam, and then uh, and they came back. But he he had some interesting stories also of his time at West Point that were kind of along the same lines as what yeah. you're kind of describing. I mean. Yeah. Um, and I, it's small wonder to me that when you watch the Army Navy football game, that the cadets on both sides are just nuts because they're. I think they're bottled up the rest of the time that's because that's the one time yeah, of the year the they get to be time. normal human beings. Like, yeah, I mean they get to run around and be crazy. Yeah, and both sides are just nuts. Like you, you see the midshipmen, you know, the middies on one side, and then you see the cadets on the other side, and it's just it's crazy. Like they're all, you know, they're so into the game, and and we love it. But uh, I, that life. I'm like you. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I just would have been like, you know, even even if I could handle the academic side of it, just the rest of it was really. I, I would have had no problem handling it if I had been given an opportunity to do what I was there to do, if that makes sense. Yep. And yep. I mean, and there's plenty more things that happen there that I'm not allowed to talk about. But like West Point is not the illustrious utopia of intelligence and honor that everyone thinks it is. That yep. is for sure. My dad has said the same thing about Harvard when he went there. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to get your, you know, the reputation is one thing, um, and you are going to get your outstanding individuals, but, yeah, there are plenty of I mean, I was, things that I was, go on that are not great. Right. I was afraid to make friends there because you never know who's going to turn around and tell on you for, you know, oh, he didn't make his bed this morning, or or I kind of cheated the system. There was a bunk in my in my barracks room. And there was another single bed on the side, and there was only two people, including me, that lived in there. So I made the top bunk and never touched it the rest of the year. And I slept on my sleeping bag on the bottom bunk where there was no when, when there was nothing on it, so that I never messed up the 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 sheets on the top one. So I never had to remake it every morning because that's really tough to do. And uh, you know, like someone could have someone could have told it. Like I had a I had a really good roommate my second semester, um, and he and I were were close and. I was able to trust him a lot, um, which was nice. But he was the only one that wasn't on the hockey team that I could say anything to because you never know. And, like, you can't even – you can't talk about anything. Like, yeah. anything besides doing the right thing, you can't talk about it. No. Like, at all. That'd and, be tough. And, That'd be really difficult. Yeah. yeah really really difficult. Yeah. And, you got, like, I would have to stop myself all the time. Be like, oh, like, how was your trip? Like, what did you guys do? Like, while well, you guys were in Boston or whatever. and. I would, you know, like, nothing. Yeah, like <laughs> so I sat. We in played my, hockey. <laughs> I sat in my hotel room, and then we went to the rink, and then I went back to my hotel room, and that's it. Like, no, but seriously, like, they, not that we were ever doing anything wrong, right? But you never know how someone's going to take it. You know, we had guys. That's that, the answer you have to give. We had guys that got punished for, for um, erasing like stray marks they made on a scantron after the teacher had said pencils down, like. We had one guy get serious walking hours because he was trying to he had made a like a an accidental mark on his scantron when he was moving his pencil. It was like way over on the side and he was erasing it after she said pencils down and they dinged him for that and he had like a hundred walking hours. Like that's just 
Wow. Like, oh, my. That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours of, of walking. That's yeah. a big penalty. That's a big penalty. Yeah. Whew. For a stray, but, yeah, for a stray mark. Right. Yeah. But it's it's like, you know, that no one no one's there to to help you. You know, your teammates aren't bringing you up there. You know, all your teammates are wanting to send you down so they can, you know, be higher up in the food chain, I guess. Like it's it, it was ridiculous. I and I there are it's people a different world. There are people there that I that I do care about, that I was friends with, that I hope you know, succeed and are safe after they graduate and all that. And there are guys who have graduated that I was with there that are serving now. I've gone through ranger school and stuff that I wish nothing but the best for. And, um, I looked up to a lot when I was there and stuff, but for the most part, like I, that place is, uh, pretty indescribable. Well, we wish obviously nothing but the best for you, your team, the rest of the way. And, you know, I know you have some hockey playing aspirations, Post UW Superior, and obviously nothing but the best for you in those as well. Andrew Durham from the Yellow Jacket Men's Hockey Team, thanks for coming out. It was fun, guys. Thanks. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with our final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Donji's East End Tavern, located in the heart of Superior's East End and a proud sponsor of Yellow Jacket Athletics. Ken Mertz and Mertz Rookie Insurance, a full-service agency with more than 35 years of experience offering all lines of personal and commercial insurance. 866-378-4936, online at MertzRookieInsurance.com. Burnix, local distributors of Pepsi and proud supporters of UW-Superior. And by Northwest Outlet, family-owned and operated for more than 60 years, offering a full line of sporting goods, footwear, clothing, and outerwear. 1814 Belknap and Superior or at northwestoutlet.com. Final segment of the Eye of the Swarm brought to you by the National Bank of Commerce and a full slate of games now as... Everybody is back from the break finally and back playing, so we got a full slate for everyone this week. Yeah, it's a busy time. Everybody's getting some games in. Women's hockey is the busiest of everyone. We'll talk about that in a second here. But uh, men's basketball this week, two games on tap for them. They're Wednesday, they're at Finlandia, so that would be tomorrow by our count in real time by uh, the time that this podcast comes out. Of course, the game will be over. But they're playing at Finlandia on Wednesday. That's a 6.30 p.m. Opening tip, and then on Saturday, taking on Minnesota Morris, 3 p.m., 2.45, the pregame. I'll be on with the radio on that. Is the gym going to be ready is my question. Yes. Okay. Yes, the okay. gym, they're, they're, you can smell the varnish in the Wellness yes. Center today. So they are they are doing the floor, and the teams will be allowed back into practice Friday. Okay. So we'll be ready on Saturday. We do have to make some accommodations for the broadcast and okay. for the iFan Sports Network to make sure that everybody – can do what they need to do because they're not going to be able to call from the regular location, but we'll worry okay. about all that later. Okay, but I will be on the air with the pregame starting at 245. Hopefully the Jackets will be able to extend uh, their winning streak in conference play. they got a big game coming up this coming week as well against uh, Northwestern. We'll talk about that more, but that's the reason why that Minnesota-Morris game is big because they got that big rug showdown coming up with Northwestern yep. in a week or so, so that'll be a big one. Uh, women's basketball, meanwhile, has just the one game this week against Minnesota Morris, 445. That'll be game two of the two-game doubleheader. Um, that'll be, I guess, our second triple header of the year yep. on the radio, actually. Yep. Uh, but that'll be game two of the triple header, game two of the basketball doubleheader 
against Minnesota Morris. That's always a tough game. The Cougars are always tough. 4.45, the opening tip there, tentative start time. I'll be on with the pregame starting at 4.30 or so, and that'll lead right into men's hockey that night. So uh, it'll be busy time for them. Uh, men's and women's indoor track and field also hosting a meet that day. We'll be hosting, uh, is it the Superior Open? Is that what it's called? This is the Twin Ports Twin Ports Open. Open. Okay, at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse over across the way from the Mertz. So I'll be going on at the same time. They'll get started bright and early, I'm assuming, that day. It's 11 o'clock start. 11 o'clock start. 11 or 11.30. Yeah, so if you're coming to the basketball games, make sure you get out and get there early because there's parking is going to be at scarce. a premium. Yep, it's going to be pretty scarce, so it's going to be a busy time. Everybody's in action. Like we said, three teams at home within about uh, 200 feet of each other. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be busy. Uh, women's hockey, as we mentioned, is the busiest team this week. Three games on tap for Coach Dan Laughlin and company. They start out uh, Tuesday night taking on Bethel, 7 p.m., the opening t- uh, faceoff there. My buddy John Garver sitting across from me. He's going to be on the radio with that one, 6.45 tonight. That'll be an interesting game. Hopefully folks will make it out for that one. Mm-hmm. Then on Thursday, they have a back-to-back starting on Thursday against UW-Eau Claire. That'll be a tough pair of it's games. Tough game. Yeah, those are tough games. Those That Eau Claire team is the real deal. Yeah, they're good. Um, Thursday against uh, UW-Eau Claire at Westman Arena, 7 p.m., the opening face-off there, and then the return matchup Saturday at Hobbs Ice Arena down in Eau Claire, 7 p.m. against the Blue Golds. They played them earlier this year. We carried that game on KUWS. Went overtime. It was an overtime game. Eau Claire ended up, did, they did win that. So, you know, it's uh, it's a good matchup. And I, I think it's good. To, you had them in early November. Now you're yep. getting them in middle of January. Let's see how we've progressed. Yep, I agree. Meanwhile, men's hockey, as we mentioned, having a bang-up year so far, so far. In 2019-20, they're back on the road this coming weekend. Saturday and Sunday, which is kind of a rare doubleheader. But yeah, that's, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's a weird one. Saturday the 18th, Atkins Davis Adolphus, 7 p.m. That'll be the third game of the triple header on that Saturday. 7 p.m., the opening face-off. John will be on with the pregame starting at 640 or at the end of women's basketball. Yeah, whichever comes. Whichever's later. Later, yep. And then uh, the random Sunday game, January 19th at St. Thomas, 4 p.m., the opening face-off there. 3.40 the pregame with Mr. Garber down in the Twin Cities metro area. So yep. busy uh, lineup coming up here. We hope you people will uh, listen back home. We'll uh, tune in to 91.3 and join us for some of these games because it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun stretch. Yeah, you know, and we're, we're getting into that – you know, these conference games are important, whether it's hockey or basketball, and, you know, things are really ramping up toward the postseason, so it's a really fun time. Well, especially with the, how well the teams are doing. Right. I mean, these games are going to start becoming more and more important. Uh, two basketball teams in first place in the respective leagues, men's hockey's in first, and women's hockey's in second. Yep. And the so team that they're trailing is who they're playing this week, so... Yeah, you know, so you, you really hope that, that people, when they're playing at home, start to come out. Yeah. You know, And it's an exciting time. I mean, you got a chance to watch teams win, too. Yes. You know, there's there's definitely the opportunity of seeing all these teams winning on a regular basis. You know, so yeah, if you're listening, uh, get out to the games. If not, tune in to the 91.3 FM with me and John because we'll bring you all the play-by-play. Couldn't have said it better myself. There you go. So he's the big sell, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Eye of the Sport.